0: Welcome to the Her Inspired Journey podcast. I'm your host, Courtney Levesque. I'm here to bridge the gap for women in the outdoors, support families, and roll out your weekly dose of positive vibes. With almost two decades in the health and fitness world and an untamable passion for hunting in the outdoors, my mission is to help you move boldly in the direction of your dreams. Join us here weekly as we talk about fitness and mindset, accountability, as well as all things hunting and epic untold stories. I am wildly excited to release today's episode with Amy Hall. She is a guest that I had anticipated talking to at the beginning of 2020, but things on my side of the spectrum got wild and it just wasn't an option for me. So finally, when we were able to connect, we got on the phone and we just started jamming. So I think that you're going to enjoy just jumping right into this episode with us. She talks about her journey into hunting. Although she was outside a ton as a kid and grew up camping and that was very normal for her, hunting wasn't. She also talks about how she got more comfortable and confident hunting by herself and gives some great advice on how to do that safely. So without further ado, let's welcome Amy Hall to the show. I'm excited to share today's episode with you, but before we dive in, here's a quick shout out to today's sponsor. Did you know ticks can cause life-threatening illness and disease? The great thing here is it can be prevented. No matter if you're hunting or just out on an epic adventure, you're likely to come into contact with ticks or be in tick-infested areas. They can be transmitted off of your body, your gear, or even your pets. I choose to use Sawyer insect repellent to keep my family and myself safe. Whether you're using permethrin spray, which can be put directly onto gear and will last up to six washes, or you're using the picaridin lotion, which is kid and pet safe, by the way, you're giving yourself a huge advantage in tick prevention. Head over to sawyer.com to see what they've got going on and get your family protected from all things ticks.
1: Oh my goodness! I'm so glad
0: we're getting to do this. It's funny because I was just—I uh, was on my spin bike, and my brain never goes in one direction for very long, uh-huh. and so I'm like all over the place this morning. And um, I was like, I'm so excited to get on and do this interview with you, Amy, because what was it like seven months ago? We were trying to do this, I know. and to just be <laughs> totally honest with the entire world, like my entire life was just so out of sorts and discombobulated it just didn't even feel like you know I could still show up and and you know I still went through the motions and did what I needed to do and all of those things but I just didn't feel like the best version of myself at the time and you know with the boys getting out of school and I was trying to learn how to all of a sudden be their teacher and run businesses and do all these things I was like okay, I've got to choose my battles right now and just figure out where to invest my time and my energy. So thank you for being just, um, you know, flexible with that and for coming back and circling around to doing this with me today. Of
1: course. I mean, we are both... Uh, moms and I think that we were we're all thrown a curveball with everything that's been going on recently and being able to be flexible and being able to figure out okay what are our priorities and sometimes that's not this
0: <laughs> really, and that's yeah.
1: okay, right? It's yeah. okay. We should be able to step away from something when family should come first, and when trying to figure out a new normal should come first. And um, I don't know; it's hard to give a hundred percent to everything. And when you realize it's falling below even fifty percent on something, you need to kind of reorganize and refigure it out. And that's perfectly, perfectly okay.
0: Yes. And I think that there's times where we continue to show up at 30% or 40% Uh or 10%. And sometimes life requires you to do that. And that's fine. Uh You can just give your best 5%. But I think that there's other times where you really have to be honest and do some internal reflection with yourself and go, is this worth it for me now? Like, right. is this my, right. am I spending my precious bandwidth in the right places? And, you mm-hmm. know, that's kind of what it was for me. And um, something I really haven't talked about was, I was also going through some more just like medical crap, and I couldn't figure out my body, you know, despite being uh, a fitness professional for 19 years I just and felt like I was constantly fighting with my body and it took me a while and finding the right naturopath. but my I was not producing hormones anymore my endocrine system is completely crazy my adrenal glands aren't functioning so I was like having these moments and I still do occasionally but it was like really um I was so self-conscious to speak to people because all of a sudden I couldn't put words out of my mouth. Like I I sounded like I was slurring or like I had been drinking or I'm using one word in place of another and I was like, what is going on? Like, I feel like my body's just been hijacked and I think, you know, and people can experience that too sometimes from stress, you know, so. Mm -hmm. um, But I'm super glad to be on with you and just coming back full circle to do this and just to get to know you better and share your life and your mission and what you're doing. Um, so without further ado, welcome to the Her Inspired Journey podcast, Amy. Uh, Thank you. Let's hear more about you. Just kind of give us a little bit of your origin of who you are, where you came from, and what makes you tick.
1: Well, I, I have, I guess, born and raised in Tennessee. I lived part of my time in Alabama with my dad growing up. Uh, we... We come from very humble beginnings because, you know, being a part of a family with multiple children, I'm one of five, it it kind of throws you into a, okay, where are our priorities as a family? Um, How can we travel? How can we have vacations? Camping was one of those ways that we were able to do that. It was a way to get Um, to visit DC it was a way to visit uh, the Virginia mountains it was a way to get out and and see places but at the same time still be outdoors and still be a family together learning how to um, how to have fun in the outdoors and so that was on one side of my family and then on the other side of my family we were from the mountains we were from You know, skinny dipping in a creek and fishing for catfish and, um, you know, taking care of cows and there's the harvest time and all of that. So there's a little bit of outdoors on both sides, but hunting was never a part of it. So it it kind of I I got thrown into that world when I met my husband and he he hunted by himself for the longest time. And then we had children and I got very jealous of his alone time in the woods. (laughs) (laughs) I hear (laughs) that often. (laughs) If I'm perfectly honest, it was kind of one of those, you get to go out and experience quiet and nature and the sunrise or the sunset. And I'm here with kids that I love, but it's just, it would be nice to just get away just myself. And I don't know, I think as moms, we lose we have the tendency to lose our identity in who we are for a little bit i think that uh, especially during the newborn and toddler years you you do kind of have the tendency to lose yourself and it was a great way getting into hunting to find myself again, just me, not as a mother, not as a wife, but just me. And I think I found confidence in that. And I, you know, both of us hear that story a lot, but it really, that truly happened with me. And I loved that part of it.
0: That's awesome. So I know that uh, for different parts of the country or even the world, hunting solo and kind of figuring that out and establishing your confidence in the outdoors can look very different depending on, you know, if you're in private land or public land or what the predators are like. So you know, it might be different for you out there. uh, But what was it like? Were there times where you just really had to learn to be comfortable being alone out there? Or was it always something that was comfortable? You've probably heard this question a lot too. you know, women in particular, and men certainly do as well. But sometimes it's not the easiest thing to go out and just go pursue a hunt on your Mm -hmm. own. So what did that story look like for you?
1: I think I was lucky in the fact that we were able, I was able to start hunting on a friend's property that was probably only seven or eight acres. So you're talking about a small piece of property that was familiar, that I had been around with my husband hunting, that I knew the way in, I knew the way out. There weren't a whole lot of predators. Uh, It was just kind of one of those comfortable things that... I don't, there were things that came up walking in the dark gets me every time, no matter how safe it is. It still gets me running into spider webs is the worst fear that I can feel because there's no, there's no control over those kind of things. Yes. There were coyotes. Yes. We did have still those kind of things, but, um, I didn't fear those as much. We had fire ants that we had to watch out for. Um, but I didn't have to think about strangers being on the property. I didn't have to worry about, uh, you know, a mountain lion. Or really, I didn't have to worry about rattlesnakes at that certain property. So it wasn't until, oh, a year ago that I was learning how to hunt solo on public land. And that threw me a curveball.
0: How has that been different for you? Like, What other hurdles have you come across or what situations have you maybe been face-to-face with it? You're like, oh, I didn't think about that coming from my previous experiences.
1: I don't know if it was that I didn't think about it or I just had not experienced it. I had heard from so many people the differences between public and private land, but the things that, that I bumped up against that I wasn't familiar with were... Uh, not knowing the land as much as I thought I would. You, you know it mm-hmm. only so much by map. You, you know it only so much by your app. It's actually when you put your feet on there that you know how high the brush is, where your obstacles are. It just it changes it in real life. I was up against different kinds of snakes. I was up against um, coyotes that weren't as familiar uh, with people, but mainly I was up against strangers. Mm-hmm. I was up against mainly men that I was not that I did not know. And I think that that was one of the things that uh, that I had to overcome was, okay, I'm hunting alongside you know three or four different cars coming into a situation that I had never met these people. I had never talked to them. I don't know what they look like. We're in the dark. I don't know how far they are from me, I don't know what kind of people they are, and I think that, I I really think that, like, men, because I never met a woman out there, I think the men out there were the most different obstacle that I I came up against. Um, Just that unfamiliarity, I don't know them, they don't know me. Maybe we can get to know each other. Maybe we can shake a hand or support each other in some form or fashion. But I I don't know. I have no idea.
0: That's a big one (laughs) and it's kind of it's a little bit tricky to talk about it because certainly you know you don't want to just assume or we don't just assume that you know any other recreator hunter you know hiker walking through the forest has bad intentions Right. Um, but at the same time in the world that we live in I think it's really important for all of us particularly women who are hunting by themselves to be very aware of what that Mm -hmm. can be and um, I struggle in that area more than dark, more than wildlife, more than falling off a cliff. I struggle with being a lone female out there and running into somebody. And um, I don't know if there's a correct way to navigate this, so to speak, but I think it, um, you know, sometimes you can, if you end up talking to the person, you know, i sometimes in the past I've said, yeah, you know, just so you know, heads up, my husband's hunting over right over that way. I'm not married. Right. You know what I mean? But yeah. like, it gives some indication like, Hey, I am not out here alone. So the best thing that you can do is just give off the, the persona or the vibe that you're out there with somebody and that you're confident, you know, that you're capable yeah. and, and all of that kind of stuff but you know too depending on where you are I think carrying a sidearm for me and in anywhere I've ever been able to hunt I can carry a sidearm so that for me gives me a lot of confidence as well knowing that um, I, I not only can protect myself but I look like I can protect protect myself so right I,
1: I would agree with that we can carry sidearms here and I definitely do when I'm on, on public property and now on the property that we're on I still do just because of Uh, the predators that we're up against in the wider space and the no cell phone range that we have there so it's just it it does add a little bit of confidence um I haven't had any difficulty with with other hunters around me one time I had a gentleman approach me as I was going in turkey hunting and he said oh I might follow you in," and I said I'm hunting and he was hunting mushrooms and I was hunting turkey. And so I would have rather have been alone mm-hmm. <laughs> at that point in time. And, and the feeling of, well, I'll just follow you in gave, gave off a, you know, you were driving in one direction, turned around and came back It just gave me a vibe of, I don't know how that is. And honestly, I just racked my shotgun and said, I'm hunting, you know, this way. I think safety-wise, it would be better if you went another way. And he was perfectly fine with that, headed in a different direction, opposite side of, you know, the, the road. And I think that that air of, hey, I've got confidence in myself. I am not just any hunter coming out here. I know what I'm doing. I know where I am. And I'd rather do this. By myself if you don't mind and I think it's just honesty in, uh, in who you are, what your goals are and respect for each other and I think that we can all just get along <laughs> but it doesn't take away from the fact that I'm always prepared, I'm always listening, I'm always looking,
0: yes. I don't let my
1: guard down and uh, and I think that's that's for any hunter, man or woman is that you're always in a situation where your, your senses are alert and you're ready for anything that could happen.
0: And that's true if you're out just going to run a trail or going to go mountain biking or walking through town. You know, it's like, I can't tell you how many times I've seen people on their phone Just and and my hand is raised in some of these scenarios as well. But, you know, you're trying to look at your grocery list or you're trying to respond to somebody, you know, when you're walking to your car with your head down, it's like we do Mm -hmm. really need to be aware uh, of our surroundings, you know, the Mm -hmm. situations that we're walking into and just keep our head on a swivel, not even only for our own safety, but for the the safety of others too you know right so yeah it sounds like you handle that situation perfectly you know gave him a, a, a very uh direct like I'm good thank you I'm confident and I got this kind of thing uh this summer uh, I was shed hunting out uh in one of my spots and ended up running into a guy which was crazy because I never ever see people out here so I had been hunting this spot for five years and legitimately I've seen one other human being in there which is fantastic right but um Uh so I'm out and about and shed hunting and all of a sudden I just hear this kind of like weird noise and I look over and there's this. Man laying on the ground and he sits up and he was, he was as equally shocked to see me as I was shocked (laughs) to see him. I promise you that. And then he said his first words out of his mouth were, whoa, you're a long way from the trail. (laughs) <laughs> and I'm like, red flag, yeah. red flag. <laughs> I'm like, Nope, I'm good. Just, uh, just, you know, out here cruising around a little bit, have a good day. And I just walked out like there's no reason okay. to have any other conversation with him. But again, you know, right. sidearm on the hip felt pretty good about that scenario. But I think there's a couple other things. And, and you touched on a few of them. But, you know, for anybody going out to uh, enjoy the outdoors by themselves, I think it's really wise to um, be prepared and, and uh kind of give yourself a little bit of an advantage for if the worst were to happen, even if you were to get a flat tire. But what are some of the things that you think would be good recommendations uh for people who are going out by themselves to do ahead of time to just kind of prepare for their safety in any of those kind of situations?
1: Well, I think that number one, that somebody knows where I'm going. They know my plan. They know when I should be there, when I should be leaving. There should be a check-in time. Um, I think just having that partnership, whether it you know a, a, an adult, um, I don't think I would tell my kids because they can't do anything about it if I didn't show back up. But. Having a friend know exactly where I am, whether it's giving them coordinates on Onyx or whatever I use or they use, that um, that people know exactly what my plan is. So if that plan changes uh, without me contacting anybody, that somebody's put on alert. I think that's one of the biggest things is just that knowledge and sharing that with somebody. Definitely. The other course is a firearm uh, if you can have a sidearm man it that in itself makes me feel a whole lot better but also mapping out my route myself so that I know my escape route if I need it I know where emergency help could be if I need that um, just being able to contact and, and get help if needed I think all three of those things are hugely
0: important yes those are great tips and you mentioned onyx maps which is a fantastic resource not only for mm-hmm. the safety aspect but for of course you know being able to scout digitally being able to yes. uh, maneuver and find the best areas when you are out in the field checking for um you know wildlife management areas or private properties or national forest lines um, but they have so many great features and this is an, a really an unintentional plug for them but I can't tell you how many times onyx maps has literally been a lifesaver for me in the field whether you get cliffed out somewhere and you've got to find a route back or uh-huh. you know, drop down to find water or something like that so what are some yeah, of your favorite yeah. features to use on onyx maps where you guys are hunting
1: Um, Where we were hunting last year, it was knowing my boundaries on public versus private. Our pockets of public land where we hunt right now, are small snippets. So knowing access, knowing where those boundaries are, knowing how to respect the private landowners that surround that area, that was huge last year. This year, we're on some private land and knowing, of course, those boundaries as well, but knowing, um, being able to tag places, being able to tag where we see signs being able to tag where somebody else has a stand. Where our stands are being able to put pictures on there, sharing it with, you know, the landowner so that they know um, where we put stuff and where we will be. Hey, we will be in this stand. Here are the coordinates. Here's the location. Here's what it looks like. Um, I think that being able to organize that and share it and utilize it being able to mark paths in so I can follow it in the dark is huge Uh, being able to walk around places where I don't need to walk into it's just a great I've enjoyed it tremendously this year um, and I thought that I used it more (laughs) on public land I'm using it just as much on private land
0: oh that's good to know so out here on the west coast I don't I've hunted very small amounts of, of private land. Um, but it's nice to know that that is very useful, you know, as Uh well in those situations. I've never hunted the Midwest, although it's on my list of things to do, but like you mentioned, you talk about, Uh, marking your or tracking your routes in and out of a stand which is super important for scent control but also sometimes like here um, we're hunting really thick uh, basically coastal terrain and so you want to try to find the best route in and out for the wind for the scent um, but also for noise control as well so it's good to be going in and out one area and you know because I'm on public land I don't want to necessarily flag the trails or anything like that but I have my route where I can look at it I can see the blue lines and when it's pitch black I can walk right in I'm not making a bunch of extra noise or fumbling around because it's so disorienting to trying to find the right tree to jump up into when you're you know maybe on the side of a hill or in a bunch of bushes or something like that so that's a very good feature that you brought up
1: being able to walk in confidently too in the dark um knowing that I'm not going to step off you know, into a creek bed, knowing that I am, like you said, going to walk the same path in and out. I can mark it during the day when I'm scouting and then I can stay on it at night. So again, scent control and, and bumping anything. I know exactly where I'm going. I'm staying off of deer tracks and deer paths. I can stay right where the plan is, um, and, and then passing it on to my husband, who also hunts in the same place, we can track the same way. So we're not making multiple paths. We can stay on the same track um, to where we're going. And honestly, you know, whether you're hunting eight acres, 110 acres or thousands of acres, just being able to know exactly where, You want to be in the dark. It just, it creates a situation where confidence is everything and, and, um, not having to second guess your path, not having to second guess where you are makes your hunt more enjoyable. If I'm being honest, it, it makes it to where the, the anxiety of being wrong or being in the wrong spot, or it takes
0: that away so that you can actually enjoy yourself a little bit more. Well, and you really do build confidence when you feel like you have the advantage of all that information, Yes, you know, because I definitely know that going into a spot blind, although it can be fun and it's, of course, exciting to see a new country and get boots on the ground, I feel so much more confident in the actual hunting aspects of it. If I know Mm -hmm. the area, if I've at least been able to look and scout digitally, you know, maybe use a combination of Onyx Maps with Google Earth and that kind of thing. and and just really get a feel for it because what you sometimes see online can be very different than what you actually experience in person. Um, So it's good to be able to at least have that advantage before you get in there. And I really like the point you brought up about You know, you and your husband can share that. So these waypoints are shareable um, as long as the other person has Onyx Maps downloaded as well. And you can also use them offline. So like if you were talking about if you are not in an area with cell phone service, you can ahead of time save those maps uh, with the layers and be able to use them when you're out in the field, which is, I mean that's a godsend to be able to have that right so that's good oh, but yeah one of the questions oh, yeah. I was going to ask you because I'm not a you know white-tailed midwest hunter do you try to make your trail off of the beaten path of where the game are traveling through just to protect the scent in their travel areas
1: I do uh I don't like to mess with their spot i mean of course when we're scouting when we're looking when we're trying to find it sometimes you you bump up against it of course and but as soon as it's found i mark it and i try to stay away from it i would rather not be um on their path i'd rather leave that as as pure as possible so that they continue to use it because they are creatures of habit. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to change that up at all. There are times where, you know, a logging road crosses a path. And I think that, I think that there's a way on, Private land versus public. Which I mean, it could be on public as well, where there's a familiarity if you are continually using it. If there's continually human traffic, if there but there's still animal traffic, I think that it can coexist in some forms. Of- fashion but I try to stay off of their path as much as possible.
0: Here I have a hard time because if I have a well-established path and obviously like you said animals are creatures of habit and they Mm -hmm. really do well depending on the species but most animals want to have an easy life you know they might bed Mm -hmm. in, in in areas that are hard to get to or on the side of a hill or you know they've got got an escape route but they want most of their Um, traveling areas to be relatively easy and it's kind of cool because once you get a little bit more dialed in as a hunter you can start to recognize these things you can see those bedrooms you can see those um, travel areas what I call hallways you can see where they're going and where they've been moving even if there's not scat on the ground or maybe if if there's enough foliage that you can't really see tracks you can pick those things up but what I find here with enough vegetation on the ground is that if I've started to beat in a path um, sometimes I'll take hand. Years and I'll kind of you know move around just so I can min, uh, minimize some of the noises. but yeah, I find now that the game is on my trail.
1: <laughs> so <laughs> it does happen I mean, they utilize the logging roads more than anything I believe. So again, I think that they will, like you said, they would rather choose the path of least resistance versus fighting. And I think that
0: that's where we can sometimes be similar in, in our paths chosen. Definitely, for sure. Are you digging today's episode? I sure hope that you are. I do want to talk for a minute, though, about Sawyer filtration systems. This is something that has been a really key uh gear piece for me and my family and honestly my kids are the ones who typically want to filter our water if they're out on an adventure with me they typically will take the mini and go over to any stream they find capture our water in the grab bags and then do the filtration for us there's something so satisfying about pulling water straight from a stream and being able to cool off refresh and hydrate Head over to Sawyer.com to check out their water filtration systems now. Yeah. Well, I really want to talk about your podcast. So can you, <laughs> can we just segue from hunting uh, and yes. talk about map systems to just how this passion evolved for you and what your show is all about?
1: Well, it, uh, i actually wasn't on social media for hunting until about a year and a half ago. And it was in my, my Instagram um, or my time on social media was mainly family. And then I realized I did not have a whole lot of women around me who liked hunting. And so that's when I created a hunting page just so that I could connect with other people easier without, you know, I don't put my, a whole lot of my kids on social media, mm-hmm. on the hunting page. And so I just, I needed a place to be able to connect and ask questions and learn and grow and be encouraged and inspired. And I connected with Guy Western Contours and did a 12 part series with him, uh, where I hosted, uh, 12 podcasts talking to women all over and I loved it I think I learned more (laughs) out of those conversations than, uh, well I can't say that but I feel like I learned more out of those conversations than any listener who could have listened in, I took so much from those conversations and felt like relationships were built and um, friendships were made and that at the end of that 12 part series I didn't want it to end I felt like I had received enough feedback that said, hey, this was really good. I really appreciated this. I liked hearing from different women on how they got started, on what hunting means to them, on what works, what doesn't work. Um, that at the end, I thought, well, I'm just going to have to figure this out and do it myself because I think there is a need. And that's kind of where the passion came from. I've, My why, I did a blood origins thing um, a while back and kind of realized my why is because I can. And it's not in an arrogant way. It's in a, I was never told I couldn't, but I was never told I could. And so that whole mindset of I can do that is because I've seen other women do it. And I've seen other women do it in so many different ways, but it doesn't matter if my way is slightly different. It just matters that we're out there supporting each other and we're growing from each other and we're inspired by each other and we're encouraged by each other. And it's not a competition of who does it better. It's a competition of let's do this together. And so Her Wild Outdoors got started and I've really enjoyed, it's almost it's been a little every it'll be a year in march since the first one came out and the women that i've enjoyed talking to don't necessarily have tons of sponsors or even a sponsor at all they might have only been hunting a year they might have been hunting their whole life but each person whether you're a man or a woman you hunt differently you do things differently, you started differently, even though we might all have the same passion of why we do it, um, or the passion of bringing food home, for providing for family, for getting out there and having a sense of adventure and all of that, those things might toe inside, but there are little tweaks that make us different, and I love hearing those, because I might not hunt like Jane Doe over here I might hunt a little more like somebody in Tennessee or in South Carolina or you know in this southeastern side of the United States but it doesn't mean that I don't want to learn how you Courtney hunt in in the western part of the United States and I want to be able to try that at some point I want to be able to grow as a hunter but how do I do that how what is different? What are the different obstacles? How do you hunt different than me? And so getting those stories out of how women hunt, of how women have grown, of what works, what doesn't work, those are important to me. And I think that it's become important to other, other people listening as well
0: oh my gosh I just want to hug everything you just said and just like encapsulate it I love it and I have to go back just for a second to a statement that you said that just like gave me goosebumps you said I was never told I couldn't but I was never told I could and there is it's crazy because you know as much as we try to gain our own confidence and build ourselves up and find our own wings we do that as a compilation of the experiences that we have the self-talk that we you know give ourselves the people Uh -uh. we surround ourselves by the negative or positive experiences and we also get that from things that are said or not said and I think it's so important to recognize that that sometimes we can put limitations on ourselves not because somebody told us that we couldn't but because we've never been boosted up, we've never been made to feel confident or uh, accepted in a certain area. And I think that that's so important for anybody in any area that they want to pursue is just to know that you don't have to have the blessing of somebody else. But gosh, when you do, it really does boost your overall uh, determination and experience in that area.
1: No, that's exactly it. And, you know, I grew up in a hunting community, but my family never hunted. They they weren't hunters. They were outdoorsmen, but they weren't hunters. And so to grow up in a hunting community where your neighbors hunted or people that you went to school hunted. I mean, we had a guy in high school do a presentation on how to castrate a cow. Like, I wasn't from the city. Mm -hmm. We were from the country. And so I had hunters surrounding me. But there was never an invitation, there was never a, well, is this something that you could be interested in, or, and it's not that I needed, like you said, I don't need permission to do it, but I didn't know how to start as a kid, I didn't know what that first step was, and I didn't even as a young adult, it wasn't until I was well into my 30s, that, well, early 30s, that it was like, hey, do you think this is something you'd like to do, and I was lucky enough to have a husband who knew that I'm stubborn and hard headed, and I like to do things my way, and I like to learn them my way, even if there are mistakes along the way. Uh, and so it was hey, here's the list of things you need to do the mm-hmm. hunter's education, your license like, these are the things that you need to do. Now go do it. And that was all I needed to get started.
0: That's awesome. So let's. Give uh just some. Uh, <laughs> this is so controversial. I don't even know how to spit it out of my mouth right now. But <laughs> Amy, tell me what are your thoughts on this whole being seen as an equal as a woman in the hunting world? Like, where do you stand on this? Um, I know that there's a lot <laughs> of nuances to it, but as somebody who's coming from maybe a more traditional, you know, Midwestern country background where there might not be gender roles, but there are gender roles typically, right? Yeah. So, yeah. what are your thoughts on being seen as an equal? Um, And I kind of, uh, I guess, a forward thought to this is, you know, like you mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, you know, you as you had kids kind of started to be a little bit uh, jealous or resentful of the fact Uh that he got that time and you didn't. There's not a whole lot of situations and there are some, but there's not a whole lot of situations where in that particular scenario, the men stay home with the kids and the women go off for a week to go hunt. So what are your thoughts on this area?
1: I think that uh, I think that our hunting community has grown leaps and bounds in this. I think that uh, for every two steps we take forward, though, there's a step back. Um, I think that like in anything in life, you are going to have bad examples of, and that doesn't matter whether you're a man or a woman in our hunting community, there are going to be bad examples of hunters. And I think that we do have an uphill battle as women in our community, sexist or not, that it is an uphill battle, and we will constantly be taking two steps forward and one step back, depending on who is representing our community. Um, I have had so much support from men in the hunting community. It has been so exciting and so supportive that it's hard for me to speak into another side of it, except for you know those. Exceptions to the rule where you just have an idiot who comes in and, well, you're just a woman or you're just, you know, you're just doing it for the likes or you're just doing it to get attention. And I'm like, no, I've been hunting way longer than I've been on the internet. So I, that has nothing to do with it. Um, but I do think we do, I think we have to hold ourselves at a higher standard um to continue growing positively in our community i do think that we have the benefit of hunting being an equal opportunity i think that we all have the same end goal to harvest an animal that we are hunting and as men and women we all do it differently but at the end of the day it's exciting to see somebody get to that goal And I think that since the hunting community has grown exponentially in both men and women, I think that it has been more beneficial as support has come in. I think that, you know, 15, 20 years ago, it was different. There weren't as many of us. The community wasn't as built up for women in in it, and I've... I think that the uphill battle was a little more straight up. Whereas now I do feel like real hunters and that is a huge difference, but real hunters who are women, I think that we're pretty equal right this minute. And, um, I think that respect is given for those who are really doing it. And, uh, you have to look for those real hunters. They're, whether you're a man or a woman, you have to look for them. So I think, in my opinion, where I stand and the support that I've received and all of that, I, I think that we're pretty equal right this minute.
0: So as somebody who gets to talk to a lot of people in the community, whether they're new or veterans to the outdoors and to hunting, Um, I'm sure you've probably got this question before from somebody reaching out saying something to the effect of, Hey, Amy, I really want to get involved or have a job or become a part of the hunting world. What do I do? What is your recommendation for those questions?
1: Be real. That is the first one. Be real. Don't, don't half-ass it. Don't, um, don't do things just for somebody to like your photo um ask questions be involved engage engagement is one of the biggest things as well because i could care less if i get 100 or 200 or 500 or 600 likes on something if i am not engaging with people if i'm not having conversations back and forth then it's all the the point is mute um it's about engagement. It's about talking to people. It's about having those conversations and growing. I think that in anything, whether you're hunting or fishing or hiking or in fitness, whatever you're doing, if you don't see forward movement, then I don't think you're going to grow in the industry. Um I think that that is something that is organic. I think that it's something that can only happen if you are true to what you're doing. And I think it's noticeable. So those are the things that I tell people. Be honest, be authentic, engage with people, and continue to grow, continue to learn, and be humble. Those those are mainly the things that I send to people.
0: And the amazing thing about that is in doing so and having those conversations and forming those mutual connections, you get to build community, like real, valuable, you know, empowering, inspiring community. And that's one of the things that I love most about um, the hunting world in general is that for the most part, you just really get to solidify new relationships with people um, Mm -hmm. all over the world, you know, and just like you said, a while ago, you know, you don't know, Uh, what you don't know. And for me, I don't know hunting in the Midwest. Um, You don't know hunting necessarily on the West Coast. So it's just very different and there's so much that we can all learn. But I think in having those those kinds of conversations, whether that's through comments or direct messages or phone calls or podcast interviews, you really get to deepen the connection and you get to deepen the experience for us to enjoy in the field, Uh, at shows at, you know, ATA or Wild Sheep Foundation, you know what I mean? So it's a really good way just to um, bring valuable information and insight into all of our lives for sure. So I just appreciate so much that uh, you had that passion to start the podcast and that you lived into your confidence and you went ahead and did that. Thank you.
1: Thank you. It's exciting. I think that You can't replace face-to-face, right? You can't replace having relationships face-to-face. I think that's why we're really going to be missing out on shows this year because of that face-to-face engagement. There's relationships that have been growing On social media that actually kind of solidify when you get to sit down with somebody and have a conversation or you get to have a a meal with somebody. I'm from the South. So whether you are celebrating a birth or a death or anything in between food is a part of that. And so sitting down at a meal with someone is how I connect with them. And so you can't replace that. But I think that being able to engage on, on social media has created a smaller circle, whereas beforehand, I had not been able to even touch another woman within, you know, driving distance, a short amount of a driving distance with another woman who hunted. And now I feel like I have this community that's within a phone call, within a text, within, you know, a FaceTime to where... We can encourage each other and, and grow as a hunting community and encourage each other. And so I'm very grateful for social media, but again, it doesn't replace that face-to-face. So I'm, I'm saddened to hear about all of these shows that are getting canceled and moved to virtual. I, I, I'm really hoping that maybe this is the only year that this is happening
0: I couldn't agree more. I am a little bit... Uh Mm -hmm. bummed out to say the least that we don't get to connect face to face it really is just a great time to put your arms Mm -hmm. around somebody and just to uh to reconnect I always walk away from those shows with a raspy voice but with a full cup (laughs) for sure you know so it is a kind of a bummer that that won't happen this year but talking about being from the south and Mm connecting through food uh, let's talk about your recent accolades with the recipe with the nwtf
1: Oh my goodness, that was, it was kind of a funny story to begin with, because I did not know it was even out there, and my husband sent me the email and said, you have two hours left in the contest, kid, do you want to put something together? And you had to put together um, the story of how it happened, you had to show pictures of the hunt, of the harvest, and of the recipe that you created, and... You know, it's the National Wild Turkey Federation, but it was open to all wild game recipes. So thinking through everything that I cook, it, it came down to what can I showcase that doesn't get the glory that it should get? And we had been on a snow goose conservation hunt and brought home 49 birds that we breasted out and froze. And everything that we had heard before this hunt was, oh, it's, it's a trash bird. Like a snow goose, it's a trash bird. You'd rather have uh, Canada goose or, you know, something something different. This is, a lot of people just donate the meat to soup kitchens or, or to the community, um, whatever you want to do. But it's mainly just a trash meat. And I was bound and determined to make something beautiful out of this bird because I think that anything that we hunt should be respected in that form. And so I chose a snow goose Wellington. And I love Wellington. It's one of my favorite meals. I've tried to recreate it in different ways with venison and with other things. But coming up with a snow goose Wellington, I could not find a recipe out there. So I had to kind of bring from a different, and goose is different from from beef, from elk, from um, venison. It's a little gamey, but it's still lean. It's not like a duck. It's, it's a lean red meat like venison. So you kind of had to treat it like venison, but still gamey as a duck. And so it was... It, The creative process behind it had a lot of trial and error, Um, but it all came to fruition and sent it in, and I think a couple months after I sent it in, they said, hey, you made the top five, and they really appreciated the fact that it was a meat that was chosen to be something beautiful. uh, Wellingtons are considered this elegant meal. And so to choose a meat that isn't considered elegant and to put it into an elegant meal was, was completely surprising to them. And um, I did get fifth place. I like to say fourth runner up, um, <laughs> but it, it was exciting to, to have that put out there, um, to have them recreate a recipe that you came up with and it actually work for somebody else in itself is exciting but um for it to be showcased and highlighted so that others might be a little bit more inclined to keep a little bit i think that donating meat is 100 percent a great thing but to be able to experience it yourself is is great too so um it was a fun it was a fun thing to be a part of and i was grateful that they put it together
0: well, congratulations on that. That's super exciting, Thank you. and uh, I love just the inspiration and the. Um, just, I don't know, you had two hours to make something happen and you decided to do it, and you sound like you did it beautifully. So, I'm not sure how many people have snow goose on hand or frozen right now, but we are going right. to include that recipe on the website. So, you can go over to herinspiredfitness.com forward slash Amy Hall and then you can pick up that recipe there. But, um, where can other people get a hold of you if they want to reach out, listen to your podcast, and connect with you online?
1: You can check out on Instagram. I'm Amy Hall underscore Hunter. Um, There's her Wild Outdoors, which is also on Instagram. Um, The podcast is on all of your podcast revenues. It starts with Podbean, but it can go to any of the other um, Apple Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts. Um, But yeah, it. Ask any question. I'm. 100% 100% open to conversation um, when it deals with hunting if I do not know the answer I probably know somebody who does know the answer and so I'm by far not the most experienced hunter but you know as well as I do when you are connected to people when you have conversations with so many people you probably know somebody who has that answer so always reach out It's I'm an open book and I will never claim to know it all. So I'll pass you on to somebody who does.
0: Beautifully said. And thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show with me today. I can't tell you how grateful I am that we just got to circle back to this and that we got (laughs) to share little pieces of your journey. And I know that people will go over and check out the Her Wild Outdoors podcast as well. So thank you, Amy. I really appreciate your time. Look forward to connecting with you again soon and having you on the show again in the future.
1: Thank you, Courtney. I appreciate it.
0: Once again, thank you for tuning into the show. We hope that your cup is full and you're ready to embrace your untamable vibe. If you enjoyed the show, could you do us a favor? Help us grow our audience by sharing your favorite episode on social media, sending the episode to a friend and leaving us a review online. We love to hear from you. One more thing, be sure to press that subscribe button and never miss a weekly episode. See you next week.